You are listening to the Wi-Fi Ninjas podcast, where we talk about wireless technology. Here are your hosts, Mac Daring and Matt Starling. Hello, and welcome to the Wi-Fi Ninjas podcast. I'm your host, Matt Starling, joined with Mac Daring today. How are you, Mac? I'm extremely good, thank you. Uh, thanks for asking. How is it going? Very good, thank you. <laughs> good. So today we are going to be talking about another one of our four P's, in particular, the pre-deployment type of survey. Okay, how exciting. So last two weeks ago, we've discussed uh, predictive site surveys and everything that comes with it. So all the tools used there and everything, what do we use it for and how do we do it and why do we do it? And we are going to discuss the same stuff about pre-deployment surveys today. Yep. Yeah. So as as always, do you want to start with one of your recent challenges around a uh, pre-deployment type of survey? Of course, as always. <laughs> <laughs> Quite recently, uh, actually, we've been doing it together with you at one of our customers. Uh, we were troubleshooting some RTLS issues uh, around a big retail uh, store where they had some some atriums and uh, the triangulation didn't work as they expected. So we were trying to uh, to look at the leakage between the floors and if you can see three or four access points from the location tracking zone with the highest RSSI uh, from, from those APs on this floor around the atrium. So we were deploying quite a few of APs on a stick, which are a crucial part of the pre-deployment survey. So before we really wanted to simulate it in, in Eggerhow and start looking at how it would work in the real world, uh, due to the fact that it's a very difficult environment, it made a lot of sense to uh, to try uh, to try it out first with the APs on a stick and do a, like a quick pre-deployment survey in the areas that we thought would be uh, potentially problematic moving forward. So we had four AP on a stick. Uh, we had a rectangular floor with an atrium in the center. We put those access points around and we started doing uh, doing a mini survey around adjacent floors and the floor that the access points were in uh, to capture some some nice uh, sexy details about the propagation <laughs> of, of the waves. And the challenge was not the survey itself, uh, but the fact that Matt has to uh, run for a train. You remember your last train? Oh, I have to run. Uh, I need to run in three minutes. And then I'm you know, left with four APs on a stick, POE batteries, and uh, massive uh, power cords and well, yeah, I, patch I leads. You, you forgot to mention that we were doing this out of hours as it was a retail store which has high footfall. So we couldn't do yeah. this in hours. And this was in <laughs> London. And it was getting to... 11 something o'clock and I had to get from where he was back to where I get the train from to get back to my uh, town so yeah that, that, that's true so I was lucky enough back then to still live in London so it wasn't too difficult for me to stay a little bit longer but long story short I asked them nicely you know the IT guys at the store is it all right if I leave all the equipment and collect it like you know next week or something they said oh well, you know it's wrong and i said okay cool no problem i will take it home and i started packing all this stuff to to, <laughs> <laughs> to a dedicated tripod uh how do you how do you call it tripod holder tripod cover yeah tripod bag and then the rest of the stuff that goes with it <laughs> yeah, and I 
putting more and more stuff to it, like, you know, access points and, and POV injectors and long cables, like, you know, 10 or 20 meters long cables. And I'm trying to lift it up and it's, oh, <laughs> it, it's a tad heavy. <laughs> That's a good, good workout for you, right? Yeah, very good, especially for my for my bike when you have to like you know go to train a tube and then finish a day with a proper hike from the station to home carrying like a fifty kilos of equipment on your back. So well, at it, least at least it wasn't rush hour. I mean, I've had to do that in rush hour traffic on the in the tubes in London. Okay, so that would be probably your challenge with, <laughs> with pre-deployment surveys. Yeah, that has definitely been a challenge that I've had with pre-deployment surveys with carrying equipment around especially if you're going to a site in london you're trying to go there early morning and then you're trying to get on a tube with a tripod bag your backpack you're uh carrying the access point with the long cable with the battery pack so you've got pretty much three four bags on you and you, everyone's sandwiched on the tube like sardines anyway <laughs> and you did we like... mention that we also need to carry a like a survey laptop maybe with a charger and probably a sidekick <laughs> exactly and then yeah you, you you try and fit on the train and now you're taking up like three people's faces so you, you just get looks like you're public enemy number one by uh commuters <laughs> yeah exactly why is he taking up so much space i can't fit in yeah this kind of look yeah <laughs> yeah it, it's nice to 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 work in London <laughs> you have so, so many opportunities to have a proper chat around you know life and stuff with people when you commute everyone is so happy to talk to you right and uh, when you have like when you have 10 spaces free in a train all the people they will like you know sit next to one another and and have a chat I, mean, I don't think you travel in the same London as what I do because that does not happen <laughs> yeah yeah it's just just joking I've actually I don't think I've ever had a conversation with people in London from London. Maybe when we have some tourists from around, they sometimes like you know ask for directions or stuff. It's it, it's it's fun. But London is yeah, not not really. No. Yeah. Okay. So uh, our challenge is mostly around the heaviness of the equipment, right? Do yeah. Do you have any just... technical difficulties with with pre-deployment service, or is it rather straightforward? It's rather straightforward. It's just that the, the logistics of moving the um, APN stick around. Say if you are doing a, so I recently I, I was doing surveys at hospitals. Um, so trying to juggle, you've got your, if you can imagine, you've got your laptop in your hand, plus uh, you've got to now try and position the tripod and the battery pack and then move it to the next location to do the testing trying to juggle that with opening doors and trying to get into some critical care areas is um sometimes quite tricky for sure yeah and all with all the patients running around so actually you can yeah. ask them to hold the pov battery for you right <laughs> <laughs> or maybe uh, not i actually um built a uh, kind of like apiano stick wheels version before just using a dolly board screwed in uh, like a little uh, holder in the bottom to put the pole into to, uh, Interesting. so you, you've made your apiano stick kit yourself yeah i just custom built a couple just to basically put the tripod so it's not using the three legs but just going in, into a dolly board and then uh, just being able to wheel it around the uh the site that you're at it makes it a lot easier and you can put the battery pack on the dolly board as well so you haven't got to lift it and then try and carry it and juggle it you can literally just pull it along but uh so yeah that was yeah and try to imagine like you know uh, fixing an rc car on the bottom you know in between the wheels so we can use like a remote control to that was my next next step was yeah just to be able to 
put something like that on it so I could just use a good like a remote control to drive it for me. Yeah, that that sounds like a good plan, and I will I will try out a drone that you know that they have just behind me to to hold the AP while I'm doing some testing. So that would also be quite cool. <laughs> okay, jokes aside, <laughs> what is a pre-deployment survey? So a pre-deployment survey is when we're validating our predictive survey uh, to make sure that what we've simulated is actually going to look the same in the real-world conditions. So if it's a a site where it's got very tricky kind of building materials and layout and we want to validate that what we've predicted in our ECHAL design is going to be accurate, we, that's when we would use the AP on the stick type survey, pre-deployment survey. Okay, so basically pre-deployment survey uh, is a thing that you do after you finish your predictive survey, right? So we are just uh, validating the predictive site survey design in the areas which were tricky, which which we want to uh, do some more checks in and make sure that they will work in the real world. Yeah, and I, I know some people that still use AP on a stick as a uh, kind of pre-deployment, but instead of doing the, the predictive design, they will go around and they'll just actually physically move the AP on a stick to each location that they want to uh, install that and use that as the kind of design. Problem. Yeah, it, well, it makes sense, especially 10 years ago when you didn't have any nice predictive tools uh, that you have today. So I don't feel that you really need to, to do a pre-deployment survey in the open space office with you no, know, standard yeah. access points fixed, uh, with well-known propagation pattern of those access points, with no walls in between them, or with the walls of attenuation that you know about, you measured it yourself maybe, uh, that probably if you do an on-site element of a predictive survey right, measure everything uh, nicely, it will still be extremely accurate, right, without having to uh, walk around with a tripod and uh, repeat a mini survey around it like 20 times for 20 access yeah. points. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, like you said, I still know people that still do still do, do that, especially um, I think in some cases in some hospital areas where there's things like MRI scanners and uh, different things like that in, inside the rooms. Yeah. But still, this all the, uh, the thing is that you would pick up doing the on-site element of the predictive survey, right? When you walk around and check the spectrum to see uh, if you have any interference around from, from both Wi-Fi and non-Wi-Fi wireless devices. So you would surely pick it up. Yeah, no, I, I definitely prefer doing it this way for sure. It's a lot less uh, manual work. And also, it's it's not as expensive and time-consuming, so uh, you have a better chance of retaining a client after giving him a quote, saying, oh, Mr. Client, uh, we are planning to do both on-site and off-site elements of a predictive site survey, which will take huh, three days, instead of saying, oh, you have 100 access points, so we will have to do 100 mini-surveys. I can do like 15 access points per day, so it will take me like six days, uh, plus predictive survey, additional three, so nine days. So we are looking at 11 days with, you know, with a handover, yeah. and they say, oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> All the other quotes, they were for three days, Mr. Mark and Mr. Matt. So, yeah, <laughs> time has changed a little bit, so we have to keep up with it making sure that you know we are working efficiently and and quickly and we have a stiff competition and we want to achieve pretty much the same stuff not spending that much time on it without compromising any quality exactly yeah so that's that, that's our goal okay so pre-deployment surveys uh, what sites are we targeting a greenfield brownfield do you do you do them uh, in a site with existing infrastructure or rather rather um, new sites where you put a new infrastructure in 
from your perspective? You're mainly targeting greenfield sites, I would say that yeah, not too difficult or impractical to simulate in in Echohau. So, like I said, going back to maybe some uh, recycling plant uh, sites that I know you've been to that you've had to kind of do this um, because of the type of environment that you need to really go and actually physically test. Yeah. Yeah, when you have like hundreds of machines, you mm. know, working around, moving parts and things that it would be an either nightmare or impossible to simulate. Uh, yeah. It's not possible to, you know, measure the attenuation of the mezzanine floor machine that is 12 meters above the ground with no floors in between. And you need to have access in between those machines to pick up a job to repair this machine. Uh, how, how do you simulate that? It's yeah, so that, that's a perfect use case for it. And sometimes, sometimes it happened to me. So I had to uh, perform a pre-deployment survey type of activity with APs on a stick with um, existing environments like the retail that we've done together. They had their wireless, right? The Wi-Fi was working perfectly. It was just about uh, the location tracking. If, if it's suitable, if it's not, what would we need to change? Where would we put our new access points? How would it affect the uh, overlapping across the atriums? Uh, would it introduce a lot of you know contention areas and this this kind of stuff? So probably both, but mostly uh, both environments like greenfields and uh, brownfields, but mostly mostly greenfields. Yeah. Okay. Uh, that leads us to the tools that we use. We talked quite a lot about the AP on a stick. So, what is the AP on a stick? The famous AP on a stick. <laughs> you know, you go to like uh, wireless courses, and everyone talks about AP on a stick like it's a you know very <laughs> trendy thing. But it's not a trendy thing anymore every day. But you still learn about it. It's something like you go to uh, to uh, CCNA routing and switching classes. And you learn about stuff like you know what the switch has inside and all the boards, and it's of course outdated because this all the equipment how it's being built and you know visualized it, it's it's changed, but you still uh, you know uh, learn about about the ASICs and the motherboards and that the switch has a CPU and yeah fine, so that's the same stuff mm -hmm. with with the AP on a stick I think. So, so what is it? Yeah, so the AP on the stick. Is referring to a physical access point that you mount onto a tripod that you then plug in either a battery pack via a Ethernet cable into the PoE port, or you uh, get a very long, yeah, kind of cable, and maybe have to get a PoE PO adapter and plug it into some mains. But I would, I'd definitely recommend getting a, a PoE battery pack so that you haven't got to have run long cables. You can keep it all nice and. Yeah, sometimes when you neat. do a pre-deployment, you don't even have access to uh, sockets, right? Yeah. And, and the power, so you have to rely on the battery. Yeah, exactly. So that's the elements of the AP on the stick: is the access point, the tripod, the Ethernet cable, and then a PoE battery pack. Um, and then we obviously we use we use Echohow to do the like the mini site surveys that you're talking about and mm -hmm. the uh, testing. Um, and then what do we do once we've done that? Uh, what we do once we've done that? Uh, what <laughs> do you mean? How do we how do we perform it? Or yeah, so once once we've we've done that, we will then use obviously the Echohow to spit out the uh, the report from that. Yep, and the report it's kind of similar to the predictive survey. Uh, but we are not simulating the environment anymore. We are just, you know, uh, capturing the as-is state of uh, RF using AP on a stick uh, put in a different locations for every lo simulated locations of the access point that we uh, planned in the predictive survey. That's 
long story short. And the prereqs, yep. uh, before we even start doing pre-deployment survey, we need to like have a some kind of a plan, right? We need to know where we want to put this AP on a stick. So predictive site survey is a must, or if it's not a greenfield site, it, it's good to uh, fully understand the uh, use case and the requirements and what we want to achieve by doing the pre-deployment survey with APs on a stick. Exactly. What else? I'd say making sure that you get a when when you do go to do your uh, AP on a stick survey, making sure that you've got everything correct. So making sure you've got a good sturdy tripod that can go to at least three meters height because you want to be able to move the AP up and down with height based on where it's actually going to be physically mounted. You might go into one room where it's like maybe it's normal ceiling height around 2.4 meters, but then you can go into another room where the ceilings could actually go up to three something meters high. So you and a different based on the height of the access point is going to make a change, make a difference to what the RF is going to be like. So being able to actually physically move the AP up and down based on where it's going to be mounted is, is definitely crucial. Yeah, and I, I agree. And there are many different tripods available on the market. And it took me a few attempts before I found my favorite tripod, <laughs> which yeah. can go up to like three and a half or even four meters. And it's extremely sturdy. And at the same time, it's quite light. So just to give you an example, my Manfrotto tripod is thicker, higher than the standard cheap tripod from, let's say, Amazon. It's like 10 times more expensive, probably, but it gives you more flexibility, more height, more sturdiness. It won't, you know, uh, fall on anyone's head. And at the same time, it's lighter. Yeah, and I, much smaller I, tripods. And I tried using some of the uh, cheaper ones for a couple of the, the surveys when we was using like, multiple APUs on the sticks to, to speed up. But I found with the cheaper ones, when you're constantly moving up and down, they just start to unscrew and come loose, and then the parts that are holding the legs up just fall apart, and it's just uh, exactly not worth it. Yes, yeah, you buy cheap, you buy twice, and so it's much it's definitely better to invest in a good proper yeah, tripod. But, but the business asks a question: uh, Is it really worth investing in AP AP on a stick? When you want to buy one, it's it's alright, right? You just buy one, you buy it once, but sometimes we need more than one, right? Sometimes mm. we need four, or we need five or six. So uh, it's quite difficult to justify investing that a few much. hundred quid into a couple of batteries because each battery, it costs how, how much is a battery? Three, 300 pounds, like a proper yeah. POE battery with uh, with 30 watts POE 802. I wanted to say 11, 802.380. <laughs> it's 802.380, yeah, 802.380 yeah. not 802.11. I'm, I'm the same, I always go. Great to say, it's yeah, it's a muscle memory. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so it's quite expensive, and and the proper tripe, but it's it's not thirty quid. That's a cheap ones, but it will be like two hundred, hundred and fifty. That's yeah. that's how much it costs, plus a couple of proper POE injectors. So we are looking at if you want to have multiple AP on a stakes, it it comes easily into thousands category. Especially if you've got to buy the access point as well, which is going to cost. Yeah. And that's your survey access point, so it's not an access point that you will install. Client will not pay for it, so you have to pay for it yourself. Um, nicely, you can uh, get APs from most vendors. Uh, on NFR. At, yeah, on NFR, not for resale scheme, but you have to have a proper partnership level with, with those vendors to uh, get this benefit. 
it's so probably worth mentioning now as well that whilst we're talking about it that when you are going to be doing the api on the stick server you should be doing this the server with the same access point that you are planning to install with on site so it's not like you can buy one ap what like three years ago and then continue to use it or well, you need to kind of stay up to date with the access points and then the antenna as well yeah. so if you're going to be doing like a warehouse make sure you've got access point and the brackets to be able to use a directional ap with a directional antenna um and then yeah so you it's, 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 it's an investment but you've got also you can't just buy it but with most of with the tripod and the battery packs and stuff yeah you, they'll probably last quite a while but you need to think about um the access point you need to refresh that when when the new ones come out and you're planning to use them for um deployments exactly sometimes it happened to me that uh, we were using some special type of access point something that you wouldn't install normally and it would be quite difficult to to get it via the business that you're working for maybe because the installation was not too big maybe it had just you know a couple of access points and uh, your vendor that you are working with says that you know they don't have the access points the elite time is six weeks and maybe the client already has this access point. They're just looking for some help and guidance about where to install them. So sometimes it's possible to maybe uh, borrow one from, from the client that you are doing a survey for. Yeah, but then also you might need to remember these may be configured to work and lightweight motors and controllers. So you're going to need to get the firmware to convert it from lightweight to autonomous, possibly. Another yeah. thing to consider. And sometimes those access points, they don't work as autonomous. Um, you have to convert it to Mobility Express. Mode. Yeah, yeah, and sometimes you have to have some access to the cloud, right, yeah. uh, to to start uh, broadcasting the SSID. So it's also good to have some uh, like 4G router uh, with a dongle and a SIM card, maybe that that would make quite a lot of sense for a cloud-based uh, access points <laughs> like like Meraki, right? It's, it's yeah. quite helpful. So you can adjust the configuration of your survey access point. Uh, that will be best suited for the environment that you're working on. Like if you're heavily hit by DFS in some area and you've hard-coded your access point to sit on a DFS-affected channel, that, that's <laughs> probably not the greatest, greatest idea. So it's it's good to, to be able to change it. And in a cloud-managed access point, you need to have access to this cloud and the cloud has to have access to the access point. Um, and maybe it's worth mentioning what we are using here uh, to get this connectivity to the to the cloud if we are doing pre-deployment surveys or even DFS checks with cloud-based access points is what I'm using and I think you're using it the same it's like a Meraki access point of, of your choice relevant to the pre-deployment survey that you're working on uh, connected with uh, CAT6 or wherever Ethernet patch lead to an RJ45 port of a PoE injector that has also a data port connected to a 4G small portable router. I'm using TP-Link 35 something, I think. Uh, it has a new model anyway available already, uh, but it has on one side, it has a RJ45 data port and also it has a USB slot for a 4G dongle and you can use it as your gateway this 4G dongle which is quite great it has also like a built-in Wi-Fi capabilities which you don't have to use at this point uh, but it, it's fantastic to to give some um, access to the internet the access point that we are surveying a site with yeah yeah okay huh, so 
that would probably be a good idea to start working, uh, start talking about how do we perform the wireless uh, pre-deployment site survey. Uh, what are the steps? How do we do it in in Ekahau? Because I'm pretty sure that most of us are using Ekahau. Uh, what is the concept behind doing it in a in a software? How do we do it with just one access point? Making sure that this access point is not relocated in a a survey file while we moving the API on a stick around. Yeah, so okay, I, I can maybe talk about that for okay, a few minutes. Go for it. So uh, you'd prepare the account site survey like you normally would, load the scaled floor plan in and build the building uh, as you as you would for the pre-deployment site survey, but make sure it's just an empty empty project. Um, and then once you've got that ready, you go on site and then you you get your AP on a stick ready. You've already done your design, so you know roughly where you want to put, plan to put the access points. Um, make sure that you can get access to all the areas so you've got your access sorted out. So maybe get like an access pass, or um, you might have to have someone escort you around for some sort of areas, but make sure you get all of that arranged um, so you can get into everywhere that you want to survey. And now once you've got your, your AP powered up, you can see your test wireless land survey SSID broadcasting you place the access point in the position that you want to put it in to do the testing you start to do your mini survey walking around to test the RF from from your access point and how and far it, do you have to walk around how far from the access point from the test AP well you kind of get more of a feel for it depending on on your site if it's, if it's got a lot of rooms you you may not have to go too far but if it's like I said if it's got a bit more of an open space or uh, things like that that you might have to walk a bit further. Yeah, probably it's a good idea to to walk as far as the overlapping would go, right? Yeah. So if we finish the pre-deployment survey, we'll have a full picture of of the overlapping as well. Yeah. So when when you're walking around, you can check to see what the RSSI is, and then once you've stopped doing the survey, look at the heat map, make sure you you see how far the signal goes, and you know roughly the overlap what it's going to be like, and then once you've done your mini survey you need to make sure that you freeze the access point in Echohout. What this will then do it will save the um, the signal from this access point in that position and then allow you to move that access point to a new position and it will keep and remember that um, RF signal from from your previous position and that will allow you to then continue to move the AP around and then still see the overlap and the, the signal strength and the heat maps from uh, where you position the access points. Exactly. It's quite 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 amazing concept, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. You just got it's just got to make sure you remember to freeze that access point because if you don't freeze it and then you move it and then start surveying it again, it can it will start skewing your data up. Yep. Unfortunately. Yeah. No, there has been times when I have forgotten to freeze <laughs> freeze the access point and then had to yeah, delete my survey and do it again. Yeah, and there were times where I forgot to freeze and also um, I how with my dongles sucking up all the power from the USB port uh, via USB hub were disconnecting uh, the uh, dongles. So Ekahau didn't have correct reading and also I had some crashing problems in the past couple of years ago while doing more pre-deployment service. So it was nice challenging uh, times from the equipment <laughs> perspective. Yeah, for sure. But fortunately, I don't really have that issue anymore now. I can't remember the last time it crashed on me, uh, especially not when using the sidekick. I have no disconnecting issues, no crashing issues. 
Yeah. <laughs> We're starting talking about, you know, I can have sales pitch again. <laughs> I know. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, you repeat that kind of uh, mini survey, moving the access point, freezing it uh, for all the areas that you want to test the real RF, and then that will give you a heat map of what the actual signal will look like if you were to install the access point there. Also, exactly. one, one thing maybe we maybe we should have mentioned as well is that making sure you tune the power level of the access point as well because when you do a survey uh, you want to be surveying at half power really because you want to that's where you ha that's where you want the power of the access points to be because what may catch you out is if you just turn on the access point and get configured and don't set the power settings and it decides to go up to full power and now you're seeing the overlap goes quite far and the signal, signal looks great. But then when you come to install it and then you tune the network and the RRM's kicking in and it's wanting to use at half power, maybe now the signal is not so great. And then the access points are going to have to work at full power, which isn't what you want as well. So that's one thing just to remember when you're configuring your AP on a stick. Yeah, crucial, especially in like more open spaces where you will install mm -hmm. uh, the real equipment if we go even much lower than than the half hour sometimes right yeah. when the access points especially when they have like clean line of sight between one and another that will go quite low so yeah guys just remember when you're doing your ap on a stick survey to set your power levels of your access point to half half power yeah that's, that's actually a good rule of thumb i was i think i was even setting it up to slightly lower uh, mm. in some environments like 25 25 milliwatts yeah. on the antenna and it's like one quarter of, of a power but yeah half power is, is a good rule of thumb i think yeah definitely yeah okay so moving on to some some of the challenges of, the, of this this yeah survey. we've Tough covered survey. quite a few of them so clank, clanky equipment heavy yeah. equipment a lot of tripods uh, might be might be quite difficult to do with just a, a single person if you are doing multiple ap on a sticks and it's extremely time consuming because doing uh, many micro surveys, it's it's very time consuming. If you do yeah. like a proper uh, validation survey on site, like you know post deployment or stuff, which we'll talk about, uh, I think in two weeks, uh, you just capture the data once. You walk around nicely and slowly, and you capture it once, and it captures the data from all the access points. But with AP on a stick, we have to do the small survey multiple, multiple times. times. Yeah, if you and have ten APs, do yeah. it ten times. Exactly, and that can mean going back into someone's office three, four, five times, and uh, they, ha they don't mind after on the first or the second occasion. But when you keep going back in there <laughs> multiple times after, I think they can get a bit frustrated. Yeah, exactly. So how how many how many access points with AP on a stick can you survey on a single day? Uh, on a good as, day, where that you don't work for twenty hours a day. Yeah, I'd, I'd say probably on a on a good day. Uh, I think we're aiming to try and hit around twenty. 20 different AP locations a day on, on, a, on a good day but again that depends on access and uh, all sorts so you could sometimes be half of that or sometimes you might have a good day and then be able to get through more but I'd say probably as a rule of thumb 15 to 20 you, a different AP positions what about you? You, are you getting the same sort of yeah exactly so 15 now? I think it's a reasonable reasonable uh, goal on a yeah. day however I did see a couple of uh, companies saying that you can do 10 APs a day with a single engineer, which makes yeah. it even even more expensive, I think. Yeah, and I, I can see where they're coming from with that, especially around, you, you think you've got your, your laptop that would be, probably needs to be recharged maybe halfway through a day if 
if you were using the USB dongles before, your battery pack maybe would last half a day. So during lunchtime, you need to recharge that up. Yeah. Um, you you try and do an area, and they said it's going to be available, and then now it's not available. So you've got to wait or move to another area on another floor. So you've got to try and get it in a in a lift or up some stairs. So like, yeah. yeah. Some areas are more accessible than the others and bigger mm. than the others. Maybe you have some more open space where you have to, you know, do a proper uh, one kilometer survey for every access point. So it will be uh, slower. So, yeah, I would say like anywhere between 10 and 20 APs, depending on the environment, is, is an achievable goal with 15 being in the sweet spot in most cases. Yeah, no, I'd, I'd agree with that for sure. Okay. And we also discussed how much value it could bring to the project. So if everyone around you does the apionistic survey in a company you work for it doesn't mean that that's the right thing to do i think this time could be spent doing better things with a similar results without spending that much time on doing it is that is that correct yeah first I'll, statement yeah i think that's fair especially now um like you said with how how accurate how is with the uh, ap propagations and pr the predictive side of things um yeah, it was, pretty, it was pretty much a requirement a couple of years ago, right? It's like you, you, you were always doing it. Even if you don't do the pre-deployment survey after completing the predictive survey for all the site, but just maybe for a subset of a site, if you have a 200 access points in a site across 10 floors and all the floors, they are exactly the same. It's, it's probably little point in you know doing the pre-deployment survey on every floor. Uh, all it takes is just validating your approach. So maybe two floors will be good enough yeah. to see the leakage between the floors and the overlapping. Maybe pick a middle floor to to have the worst case scenario uh, where yeah. you have quite a lot of neighbors around. And you know that if you make it work there, it will work everywhere else. So it's really common sense, right? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Okay. And we'll also include some links uh, to the equipment that we find is yeah. yeah that we find is really good quality in a uh, in a show notes. So feel free to take a look. And if you have any questions, uh, feel free to ask. So I think that's everything that I wanted to to discuss today. How about you, Matt? Yeah. No, I think we've probably covered everything around this part of the four Ps. Mm, yeah, <laughs> so that was the second uh, second episode of the four piece section. So predictive survey, pre-deployment, post-deployment and periodic. We'll be recording uh, more about uh, post-deployment in periodic in the coming weeks. Cool. So thanks for listening, guys. I hope you enjoyed the show today. Uh, as always, if you have any feedback or comments, feel free to hit us up on uh, Twitter or LinkedIn or via the website which is wifi ninjas.net and our Twitter is wifi ninjas, LinkedIn wifi ninjas. Um, my my personal uh, Twitter and LinkedIn is Matt Starling. What's not, what feels Mac? Not Wi-Fi Ninjas <laughs> on <No>. your LinkedIn. <laughs> okay. And you can find me on LinkedIn, it's Mac Daring, and on Twitter it's Geek Wi-Fi, which is also a name of my blog called geekwifi.net. Cool. All right, well, thanks, guys. Thank you, Mac, for your, for your time today. Thank you. Bye. Bye-bye.